As an act of worship. Hmm, giving as an act of worship. That sounds like something to preach just by itself. Before we do that, though, there was a question about the envelope system that I talked about. Um, very simple, very simple system. Um, you pretty much write down what I have here. I got an envelope that says mortgage, one that says food, which would be groceries. I grew up in an area where we make groceries. People laugh at me when I say I'm going to my mom and make groceries. They say they never heard of making groceries, but I, I, I think they yeah, I grew up. I was a mama's boy. Everywhere my mom when I was with, so we on Friday night, my friends would hang out. I'd go to the supermarket. We'd go make groceries at Belos. So yeah, I was a mama's boy. We hung out at Belos. Yes, one that says entertainment, tithe, insurance, vehicles, maintenance, and credit cards. What you do is each month. You get paid, or however you get paid, you take the cash out of the bank and you put the cash into each of these envelopes to cover what you have for that month. Mm -hmm. So say for example, you have a month where you run a little short with your credit card, but you still got an entertainment envelope. You, have, you can take money from your entertainment envelope to put in there. You can't take any more money out of the bank. You can only use what you put in these envelopes. So example, you're halfway through the month and your entertainment envelope is empty. You have no more money to go for entertainment. So you don't go out to the movies anymore. You don't go out to eat anymore. You eat sandwiches. You cook at home. Mm -hmm. That's what the system is designed for. You can't cheat the system by going back to the bank and saying, well, I'll just take more money. Mm -hmm. Only time you should really switch money if it's an emergency. The way I teach it in the class is that once your envelope is empty, you're done. Mm -hmm. So your credit card envelope, when it's empty, your month should be up. Because you know, you, you know what your credit card payment is, so that's what you should put into this envelope here. Mm -hmm. That's the way that system works. It's a, it's a great system. It's, it's tough. It'll make you be honest with yourself. Because mm -hmm. once you finish with your, once you've gone to the supermarket and you used all your supermarket money, you're going to eat some beanie weenies or some canned sausages or something. Some baini sausages or some, something just to get through. But once you do that, then you learn how to plan your spending. And you know that, guess what? Once I use the money out of this envelope, I'm finished with that one for that month. It'll really help you become disciplined with your finances. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about that more later on if you want to set that up. It's an easy system to do. Mm -hmm. If you're married, though, you and your husband, you and your wife need to be on the same page when you do it. Because last thing you need is to be putting money in there and you taking out one thing, she taking a little bit out for something else, and that envelope gets empty. Can't do it like that. You got. That's why, if you remember earlier, we talked about you need to pray together when it comes to making these financial decisions and putting together your financial plan. Mm -hmm. So the envelope system is a good system. You have a question? Go. Yeah. Yeah. If in the, these days, when, uh, for example, I'm paying like my bills basically 100 percent, if not 95 percent electronically. Mm -hmm. Is there a, like a kind of combination maybe uh, recommended? Is it possible electronic and cash system or a, something? There is a how to track? There is electronic system for the envelope system. Okay. You can go to www.crown.org, and there's an electronic envelope system where you go in, you, you you put your money in into the up top. It'll say bank. And then you set up what you want to go. So what will happen, you'll see like, it'll take, you'll see $20 go. You see the money actually wave and go into that envelope, wherever you want it to go. Um, next time I'll, I'll bring it on the, on the computer. But yeah, you can go to crown.org and they have an electronic system. I think they charge you like $6 a month. You can try it for three months for free or 30 days for free. It's, it's a great system because so many people do everything, every, do so much electronically now. 
People who are struggling financially, you know what I tell them? I say, forget about doing stuff electronically. I tell them, do it the old-fashioned way. Because like you said, when you do electronic, all you do is go check the bottom line. You don't keep up with your transaction. If you're struggling financially, you don't even need to be on the computer. Because that means you pay every internet that you don't have the money to pay for. Don't get me started on that. You know, people got like satellite dishes and all these hundreds of channels and, can't, and don't even tie. But you watching the $79 fight? No, so you got your priorities wrong. If you're struggling financially, get rid of the internet. Get rid of all that. You don't need no cable. You need to get your life in order so you can pay your tithe to God. Because the boy, what do we learn? That that we dedicate to God, he blesses it. So until you get yourself financially stable, you need to do it the old-fashioned way. You need to go to the bank, take out the money, and stick it in each envelope, put the envelopes on the table, and go through. When that one's finished, it's done. We can't go back there this month, any. See, because the trap is, if you do it electronically, you can go in when no one's looking. And you can shift money from one account to another. It's very easy to do that. But when you got the money in the envelope, once the envelope's empty, you're done. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I tell people, you know, if you're struggling financially, that's the first thing they'll say, well, what about, can I do electronic things? Why you got the internet if you can't even pay tithes? You can't pay your bills, but you got the internet? But you know what they'll say? Oh, that comes with the cable package. It's the bundle deal. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you said that. You just helped me to reaffirm, guess what? Why you got the bundle deal? <laughs> You don't need no bundle. You not think about it though. You don't need no bundle package. All you need is the regular channels three. Well, at home it's channel three, ten, and thirteen. Where are you from down there? Thirty-three and forty-three now. Yep. Go put some revenues on your TV and tune it in. So you got cable. <laughs> Get some aluminum foil and wrap around the end of those things so you can pick up the reception. But see, we laugh at that. But to really get a hold of your finances, those are some of the practical things you got to ask yourself. Because cable, Cox, where I'm from, has a bundle pack. You pay a hundred and it's ninety-nine dollars a month, and by the time tax, like one twenty-three for phone, cable, and internet. If you're struggling, why you why do you need all of those? I tell people go to the public library. You can get on the internet for free. You just got to sign up. Why do you need? You really don't have to have cable. You don't have to watch that much TV. It's the hard decisions that we have to make, but we either got to decide either we want to do it God's way and be financially free, or we want to keep being the lender, I mean, being the borrower. That's, those are the hard decisions. Hard decision is, why do I spend $100 for a pair of tennis shoes for my kid when I'm struggling financially? See, people getting mad at me at church about that before. It doesn't bother me. I'm a big boy. I mean, it's their problem, not mine. But why would you spend $100 for a pair of shoes when you can't even pay your bills? Mm -hmm. And then we wonder why our kids get older and don't want to go shop at the cheap store, supposedly. We've set them up for failure. Mm -hmm. They get older and they don't get a good enough job to support their habit. Then our young ladies, because I have girls, then our young ladies feel they've got to marry somebody who's going to give them what they want, who may cheat on them because they, he knows that they're dependent of them. No, 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 no. I tell my girls, you make sure you can buy what you want for yourself. We set our kids up for failure. Right now, I show my kids. They, my kids all have bank accounts, even my nine-year-old. They get their statements. They look and see what went in, and we go, go out. They want to take money out. They go to the bank with me and get that money out so they can see 
I had $90. I took out $50. Boy, that receipt dropped to $40 already. Teach them at a young age. That way, when they're old, they will not depart or go astray. It's a, it's a whole thing about priorities. That's, that's what it is. I don't think you deprive your kids. No, you don't deprive your kids, but you don't, you don't give your kids everything they want if you're struggling. You don't just keep barring, barring, barring. Your kids have got to learn the, the, the whole thing, and we've got to learn ourselves. We've got to make tough decisions. And that's the big thing. You know, everybody won't, people got two cell phones and cable and stuff, but then they can't pay their bills. Be, as he said earlier, we've got to be honest with ourselves. Where am I at right now financially? I can come to church and dress up, look good, smell good, and do all the churchy stuff. As I said, I know when to raise my hands. I know when to pat my feet. I know when to say amen. But then I leave church and I go back home and I walk right back into the hell hole that I left out of. And now everything that I just got Sunday morning, because I got so much debt and so much stress, I don't even think about Sunday anymore to next Saturday. My Monday through Friday is thinking, how am I going to pay these bills? How am I going to keep these lights on? Where if I'd be honest with myself and say, you know what, God, I'm a mess. Here's all my junk. Do something with it. Honesty is the beginning of you coming out of what you're in. Right. Right. But if you just insist on putting up a front, God will let you front as long as you want to. But see, the, what we run into, and this is a little sad note, I apologize. What we, what, we, what we don't like is that when we really want to be honest with God, once again, God puts the mirror in front of our face and say, now I want you to look at you for who you really are. And when we say we'll do that, that's when the change starts, and change hurts. But in the long run, change me now. Let me have the hurt and the pain now so that in the future I might reap the benefits. And what is the benefit? I can stand before someone and say, you know what? I was in that junk you were in one day. I gave it to God, and now look where God has put me. So the, the, the hurt and the pain I go through is really just to give me a testimony because I'm going to meet somebody that's in the same stuff I used to be in, and now I can speak to them and say, you know what, if you'll hold on, if you won't give up, the same God that brought me out wants to do the same for you. That's why he talks about giving as an act of worship. That's what it's all about. Three facts about biblical generosity. Number one. God blesses generous people. But if everything you have coming in is already going out because you have so much debt, you don't have you you can't you you, you want to give to people, but you can't because you everything you got coming in, you're spending already. And so often you're spending, the reason you're doing that's because you spent money that you didn't even have in the first place with credit cards. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. God makes it very simple that God blesses generous people. Generous people produce these things, emotional happiness spiritual holiness, and material prosperity. 
emotional happiness, spiritual holiness, and material prosperity. And it's not some type of health, wealth gospel. These are principles from God's word, he says. This is not some type of do this preach and get rich scheme. No, this is saying, okay, here's God's word. Live according to the word and watch what God will do for you. It's so heartbreaking sometimes. I grew up in a family where my mom and dad worked all their life. Compared to what my parents had today, I'd probably be considered a millionaire. We grew up in a two-bedroom house. But you know what? My mom and dad were happy. As kids, when I look back at my life, I probably, we probably were on the poverty line. I didn't know it. My parents, our clothes, they weren't the best, but they were clean. Shoes may not have been the latest style, but guess what? They were nice. They were clean. So you, 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 you got to work hard, and you have to be diligent, and you got to do it God's way. So I, said, I told the people, I said, no, because I did not agree to that. Well, but we knew you would like it. I said, that's not what we talked about. And so I used that as an example in the class to show people you have to be careful when you do this. See, because had I given them my regular bank, because you have to give your card over the phone, they would have pulled that money out of my account, and then I got to wait for them to put my money back. Mm-hmm. Or if they say, well, you didn't mail everything back. Don't go down that road. Because the people send this stuff, you got to send it back to them. Don't do that. Like banks will call. Try this for 30 days. If you don't like it, just call back and cancel. I refuse to do that. You know why? Because if you forget to call on the 30th day, the 31st day, you have to pay for it. And some of the systems may be good, but if I've got to call you back to tell you not to do something, I'm not going to do it because I may forget. I'm not going to do that. We've got to be diligent over what God gives us, and we've got to be faithful. Like some people, like some banks have overdraft protection, and then some, they have something that they call um, account protection. Account protection is you put money in your savings account. If you write a check and it's not enough, it pulls it out. Overdraft protection is totally different. They will pay the draft for you, but you still pay the $25 return check fee, plus you pay the bank fee. So you write a $7 check at a store that you don't have the money for. They may charge you $25, and your bank may charge you $25. You just pay $50 for a $7 item. And we shake our head at it, but believe me, I see people do it all the time. In church, yeah, do we have return checks? Yes, we do. And sad, I'm the one who's got to send them a letter and talk to them about it. And I tell people, if you don't have it, don't write it. God knows your situation. Get your situation right and give God a good check. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Well, we've just we've got to be honest with people. Get yourself out of your finance situation, then you can do what you're supposed to do. But yeah, we, we waste a lot of money on overdraft and stuff like that. You write a $5 check and it costs you $50? That would make me mad. I'll be honest with you, that would make me mad. So that's a whole nother story. Number two, on page 46. God provides a pathway. God provides a pathway for generous people. Five characteristics of biblical generosity. Biblical generosity gives the first, catch this, gives the first and the best to God. Those two blanks. Five characteristics of biblical generosity. Biblical generosity gives the first and the best to God. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, 
and your vats will brim over with new wine. The first tenth of everything belongs to God. It's called the tithe. It's called the tithe. B, biblical generosity is regular and systematic. On the first day of each week, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will be, will be made, will have to be made for me. Biblical generosity is proportionate. C, proportionate to our income. Being generous isn't just about percentages, it's also about proportion. Biblical generosity involves sacrifice. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace of God that has been given to the Macedonian church. Out of the most several severe trials, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently plagued with the, with plead for us the privileges of sharing in the service to the saints. God measures generosity not just by the amount or the percentage, but also by the depth of our sacrifice. That's why David said like this. But the king replied, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. In other words, what David's saying, I'm not going to give the Lord something that doesn't challenge me. David says, I'm going to give to you that that is going to stretch me. That's why I say when the best time to give to God is when you don't have. Because then you can't depend on anybody else but God. But if you know you can get a loan from the bank or from your friend, you're not challenged. No, when, you're, when you give to God and you don't have, you got to watch God do what only God can do. That's when you, that, that, that's when you, the Bible says, prove me and see herewith if I won't do it. That's when you challenge God. Biblical generosity is thoughtful, voluntary, and it's also worshipful. Worshipful. It's not about rules, but it's about the love of God. What does it take to be a generous person? Generosity begins with a step of faith. That's what generosity is all about on page 47. Generosity begins with a step of faith. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. We have to decide we're going to trust God or we're not. We're going to give God the 10% he requires or we're not. He says, he, he doesn't ask for 100. He says, give me 10% and watch what I'll do with what, with what you have left. We've got to be faithful to do that. You can give without worshiping, but you can't worship without giving. You can give without worshiping, but you can't worship without giving. At the top of page 49, where it says worship. You can give without worship, but you can't worship without giving. Giving your praise, your love, your time, and your resources from a genuine heart of gratitude. Like what Jesus said in Matthew 15. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. 
their worship, in other words, means nothing. God said, I don't want your lip service. I want to see your heart. He says, anybody can say, praise the Lord. But can you worship me when times are tough? Can, we, can you worship me when, you're, when your jars are empty? Can you worship me when there's zero in the checking account? Worship. You can never, you, you can give without worshiping, but you can never worship without giving. He's not talking about money here. He's talking about giving of yourself. We've got to learn that if it's an act of worship and we come in every Sunday or Wednesday, whenever we do it, and we can literally sit there and when it's time to give, we give nothing, can we truly say that we're worshiping God? That's where the rubber meets the road. How do you get up and go to work every day? How do you have all the things you have? How do you do all you do? But yet when it's time for you to give unto God what is God, you can allow that thing to go by you or you can act like you don't pay it any attention. God says, you know what? I don't, I don't hear anything you say to me because you're really playing church. God says, no. Give me what, 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 what I ask you to give and watch what I'll do in your life. God says, watch and see. But see, in order to do that, it goes back to guess what? We've got to be honest with ourselves. And we've got to believe the word of God. Either you're going to believe what the Bible says or you're not. You know, people, people say a lot of different things. But either you believe the word or you don't. That's what it boils down to. Either, you, either you're going to trust God or you're not. You've got to make the choice yourself. Given as an act of worship. That's what it's all about. In this section here, there's some monthly income and there's some our priority, there's some expense sheets. Feel free to look over those. Um, when, you, when you get some time, feel free to go through that. And on, 50, on page 55, talks about the envelope system a little bit. You were asking about that. 54 and 55 is talking about your spending plan and it kind of breaks down the, uh, the envelope system for you there. Get a chance to take, take a look at that. And these worksheets are, I can't say enough about these worksheets. They are, they're, they're very simple. They're, they're on the, you can take them out and make copies of them. They're, they're on the disk there. You, you can do all of those. You know, you, you, we, we've seen the big picture. We've talked about dedicating it all to God. We have to plan our spending. We give as an act of worship. But now let's look at here for a minute, saving and investing. Let's talk about saving and investing. The servant to whom he has entrusted the five bags of gold said, Sir, you gave me five bags of gold to invest, and I have doubled the amount. The master was full of praise. He said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many, many more responsibilities Let's celebrate this together. So he, what, what he's telling, what, what, what he's saying is that because you were faithful over the little, now I can entrust you with more. If, you, if there are times you wonder, God, why don't I have or why don't I get, ask yourself the simple question. 
Can God trust you with what you're asking for? That's what it boils down to. Is it not that God does not want you to have it, but it could be God knows if I give it to you, it may push you away from me because you may think you did it on your own. So you have to say, God, am I really ready to handle what you have for me? Because I believe God has our blessings stored up for us. But if he gives them to us too quick, we may take some of the credit. God says, no, no one's going to take credit for what I do. So he has to give them to us when we're ready to handle them. If he puts you in the brand new car right now, you may forget who God is to a certain extent. So he may make you drive the hoopty for a while just to keep you humble. And then when you're ready for it, God says, now I can bless you because you recognize that every good and perfect thing comes from above. Saving and investing. Investment. Something you will receive or return on. You'll get growth, and it'll have growth, it'll have value, it'll have interest. As I said earlier, a car is not an investment. Remember that. There's no such thing as a perfect investment. A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. The principle here, the word says, get ri- the world says, get rich quick. The Bible says, get rich slow. Take your time. Suppose one of you want to build a tower. Will not he first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough to complete the job? The principle here is this. A long-term perspective on all your investments is a good decision. I've seen, I've seen, a grievous, I've seen grievous under evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to, harm, to the harm of its owner or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when he has a son, there's nothing left for him. What's the principle here? The world's priority says spend and consume first. Biblical priority says save and invest first. We talked about this script here in Proverbs, talking about the ant. Go to the ant, you slugger. Consider his ways, how wise he is. Look at the principle here. The world's perspective says, the world's perspective, time is the enemy. I want it now, but look what God says. Time is a tool. Start saving now for the future. That, that, use that as your tool. This section here deals a lot with the, 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 rule, the rule of 72 on page 62 here. Wealth is typically created by a career or vocation over a long period of time. Created. But then look what it says. Wealth is preserved. By a, diver- by a diversified investment strategy. Because it is impossible to predict the future. That's why you have to have a strategy. The rule of 72, there's a whole worksheet that deals with the rule of 72 that shows you the, how, you can, how you compound your, your money. We talked about that $1,000 emergency fund. Mm-hmm. You see where it talks about the rule of 72. $1,000 at 3% take you 24 years to, to double that. You take $1,000 at 12%, use the rule of 72, in six years you have 2,000, in 24 years you have $16,000. It's, it's all about compounding interest. That, that, that's how you make your money, the magic of compounding. Interest, earn, interest earns interest, which earns interest, which earns interest. It has a compounding impact on your investment. One-time investment of $10,000 over 40 years, look at 8%. You got $217,000. Compounding $1,000 investment, 
per year over 40 years, you have $259,000. Because of the magic of a compound, you don't have to earn a lot to make a lot if you start early. That's the key. Saving and investing, make saving and investing a high priority. Saving and investing allows you to meet your long-term financially goals. Well, you may say, I'm not 20 years old, so what do I do? I tell people, you start where you're at. You can't turn the clock back. You're 40, you start at 40. You're 50, you start at 50. But you've got to make a point or a decision in your life to start where you're at. You, don't have, to, you have to start where you're at. The, the, opportunity, the opportunity cost of consumption. Prioritizing your investment decisions. Look what he says here. There's a sequence to make good investments. On page 64, step one. First thing you do is pay off credit card debt. You have a credit card that's more than 8%, you need to pay that thing off. Number two, set up money, set money aside for an emergency fund. They say three to six months, that would be great to have that much, but you can't start there. If you don't have any savings, how are you going to start at three months or six months? Start with $1,000. Step three, save for major purchases. This is what I talked about earlier. If you know you need to buy a big item or you have a desire for a big item, save the money for that item. You don't have to just go right out and buy it just because you have the ability to do it on a credit card. Save for those major purchases. Number four, diversify your investment for the purpose to meet long-term needs. Get some professional help in this area. If you're not good with your money, you don't know about investing, get, find someone who knows that very well. I tell people, I give them church advice. I don't want anyone to come back and say, I told them to invest in something, because I didn't. I make that very clear when I teach, and especially when we tape it. I put that, I say, make sure y'all get that part on the tape, but they're not going to blame me if they put their money in the wrong place. <laughs> Number five, begin taking calculated financial risks. When you do investing, it's just like I told you about loaning money. Only invest what you can afford to lose. I'm talking about in the stock market. People who lost their 401ks, they didn't think that was going to happen. And if you're going to buy stock, only put in what you can afford to lose. Because you can make it one day and it can be gone the next. The neat thing about it, where it talks about in number five, they're beginning to take calculated financial risks. You should not even think about step five if you haven't done one, two, three, and four yet. If you don't have, if you don't have an emergency fund set up, you don't have anything to invest. You've got to make sure you've done these first four before you can even get to number five. Before you invest, ask yourself these questions. What are my reasons for making this investment? Is it to provide for my family? Is it to meet a future need? What is my attitude towards this investment? Am I driven by greed or pride or fear, or am I driven by a long-term strategy? Number three, am I presuming upon the future? Number four, will I create anxiety by making this investment? Never invest beyond the point that you can sleep with. In other words, if you invest in something that's going to keep you up all night, it's not a good investment. Then you get ulcers, you get headaches, and then you start, you, you destroy your own body over an investment. And number five, this is an important one here. How does my spouse feel about this investment? A husband and wife need to be totally in unity 
on their investment need to be on the same page. This is just something I throw in. I always say never borrow to invest. Because why would you borrow? You're using someone else's money to invest in something. Only invest that that you have. Never borrow to invest. I don't care how good they say the deal is. And then right here, look for godly counsel to make your investment decisions. Proverbs says it like this. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Many advisors, they succeed. With many advisors, they succeed. And you can take time to read back through some of these questions and everything and answer it. It's, imp it's important to answer these questions. Like I said, when we do it in a larger group, we take time to, I give people homework and they feel that we come back and we talk about them each week. Let people come back with questions. Even in a large room, we'll, let, we'll take a couple questions. And I give people the ability, I give them my email address, Pastor Gary, and they can email me. For some people, they don't want to ask the questions because they don't want to be embarrassed. And I can understand that. So they'll email me their questions and I'll address it anonymously because I tell people, if you're thinking that, there's probably eight or 10 other people, 20 people in the room who got the same question you got. But you don't want to embarrass people. So you just want to be very careful with that. And then there's an expense, there's a monthly expense worksheet. Once again, it helps you keep everything in order. You have to write out all your bills. It's on page 70. You have to write out all your bills and it helps you to keep everything in, in perspective. Helps you keep everything in perspective. These worksheets are awesome. These worksheets, they're, they're in depth, but they're, they're really good. Now let's let, let's look at session five. Then after this, we'll just have we'll have one more. We'll take a break. But let's look at because I want us to look at this here. God's solution to debt. You know, the world has a solution. To everything the world tells you do this and do that. But God says I have a solution to debt. And if you'll grab a hold of this solution, God says if you'll use this, this will help you to become debt free. If you'll apply these principles you've learned, watch what will happen in your life. He says in Romans thirteen eight. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continued debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. But remember now, we have good debt and we have bad debt. So don't, don't mix the two up. We talked earlier about the, um, the 2,350 verses in the Bible that deal, that deal with money. Uh, pay all your debts. Romans 13 and 8, we, we just read uh, owe no one anything, Romans 13, 8. Uh, keep out of debt and owe no man nothing. The borrower is servant to the lender always, Proverbs 22, 7. When we're in debt, we're in a, we're in a position of servitude to the lender. And the deeper we're in debt, the more of a servant we become. We don't have the freedom to decide where to spend our money because we've already legally obligated it obligate to pay it to someone else. So if you think about it, if you're in all this debt, you work all week to get a paycheck that you have no control over. That's the way I like to look at it. If I have all this debt, I work all week, I get a paycheck, and when it comes, guess what? I already know where it's got to go because I've, I've overextended myself. So I'm working, working, working 
to pay all this stuff, I can't enjoy anything at all. You think about that, that'll change your decision on how you spend. It's almost like you get you work Monday through Friday, you check, say if your check comes in on Friday, you see it and all it does is go right by you. Because it's already obligated to go out. Nine steps to becoming debt free. If you'll apply these, you will see a difference in your finances. Number one, pray. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So in other words, when you want to make a purchase or buy something, go to God. God, is this right right now? Do we need this right now? Pray about it. Number two, develop a debt-free mindset. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So if you can't see yourself out of debt, you're never going to be out of debt. If you always see yourself owing people, you're going to always owe people. But no, see yourself as you're the business owner. See yourself as people coming to you because you're going to be the lender and not the borrower. You, gotta be able to, you must see yourself debt-free in order to be debt-free. Nothing you buy will ever feel as good as being debt-free. Number three, very important, list all your debts and the interest rates. Remember in session one, we talked about that sheet there where you write down all your, your bills. List all your debts and list all the interest rates. Why do you put down the interest rates? Because when you sit there and put the bill and you put the interest rate, you ask yourself, do I really want to pay 29% interest? Do I want to give this person 29 cents of every dollar on this bill that I owe? And then when you start to pay stuff off, you take those high, higher interest rates first. That's what you pay off first and work your way down to the lower. So these nine steps, we're going to pray. We're going to see ourselves debt free. We're going to write down all of our bills. Then fourth, we're going to list everything we own. So we can celebrate this, see that we do have some things that we own. And then we're going to establish a spending plan. A spending plan allows you to ask yourself two important questions. I've asked them all day today. Can I do it for less? Do I really need it? Can I do it for less or do I really need it? And what is a spending plan? A spending plan is nothing but a budget. A, a spending plan is nothing but a budget. Number six, establish a repayment. This will, this will take you some time to do, but when you establish a, repay, a repayment plan, then you know, okay, you have goals on, you can write on your refrigerator, put it on your mirror, your list of goals. And as you pay off a credit card, you mark that off. You pay off another bill, you mark it off. And that will encourage you, that will help you to say, you know what, I'm getting somewhere. Because you will see yourself accomplishing some things. So put it up so you can mark it off as you pay it off. Put up there a $1,000 emergency fund. And go, if you're going to do $10 a week, go from 10 to 1000 $10,000. Every time you put $10, mark it off and put the total. By the time you get halfway, it'll be like, well, I got $500 in the bank already. You got to, we have to see things. When we see things, we can grab it a lot better. So we're going to pray. We're going we're gonna to have a mindset to be debt-free. We're going to write down all of our interest rates. We're going to write down what we own. We're going to come up with the budget. We're going to come up with the repayment system. And then, you know, if your situation is so bad to where you just see no way out, this next one's tough, but sometimes you've got to consider earning additional income. You hate to think that, but sometimes it says, one caution, the extra work should not be such that it harms your relationship with the Lord or with your family. 
I tell people, there are people who say, well, I'll just get an extra job. But they make me work on Sunday. Right. That's a trap. Because you go get the extra job and make the extra money. Before you know it, that extra money, instead of using to pay off your bills, you don't want to bought something else. And then you're not coming to the house. And you're not getting the word of God. So if you're not getting God's word, you're getting somebody's word. So the enemy will say, well, just do it for six months. Mm -hmm. I challenge you. If you go out there and take out your job for six months, I guarantee you six years later, you'll still be there. Because the enemy will say, look at your lifestyle, how it's changed. And really what you're doing, you're robbing God. Now, if you got to go work during the week, some little extra time, do it during the week. But it should never take away from church. It should never take away from Bible study. It should never take away from your time with the Lord. You know, people say, well, I, I, I got I to gotta do that. No. Now, if your primary job causes you to work on Sunday and that's your career, that's a totally different thing. You need to try to talk to your boss or whoever and say if there's some way we can work this out. But I'm not going to tell you to quit that job because you've been there for 10, 15. In Virginia, it was really hard because the blue law kicked in. So Sundays, everything used to be closed. But now everything is open. So you can't tell a mother who works in the, who worked in retail for 20 years and was always at church then when the blue law kicked, she's got to work on Sunday. You can't condemn her for that. She had no control over that. But I say, okay, but if you know you got to work on Sunday, do you work midweek, Wednesday? Oh, no, I'm free. Okay, well, you need to make sure you give God his time on Wednesday at service. It's okay to get an extra job, but if it comes between God and your family, that's not of God. God's not going to pull you out of his house Amen. to put you somewhere that would sacrifice your, how you are. God doesn't work like that. Uh huh. That's the thing. That's a very, very good point because the whole issue is the reason why the problems are with the money in the first place is the issue of priorities mm -hmm. and order. So where, whereas one person may say, well, you know, I need to do this so that I can, mm -hmm. then you're actually getting out of order again and you're making it worse because mm -hmm. you're not, you know, you're going outside of what you're trying to accomplish. So you're actually uh, going against yourself. Right. Because the whole issue is priorities. And so priorities is, on Sundays, we go to church, we worship God, um, and that's not going to change. Like you said, there's right. some some cases where people, career, I mean, I you know, in law enforcement, you know, I ran into that when right. I was working, you know, the the, the, the shift, and it would have to oftentimes would used to have to make some kind of a deal mm -hmm. to try to or either uh, talk to the boss. But there's a difference with that as opposed to right. somebody that goes out look for a job and they get an opportunity and they say, hey, you 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 get this job, but you got to work on Sundays. Right. Um, that's a trap. Yeah, that's a trap. Yep, gotcha. exactly right. right. So we talked about you, you, you pray. These things, uh, you, you have a mindset to be debt-free. You list all your debts. You, you list everything you own. You establish a budget. You establish a repayment plan. You consider extra income. Number eight, consider a radical change in your lifestyle. Many people temporarily lower their cost of living to become debt-free. That change in lifestyle is what we talked about during the break. Do you need two cell phones? Do you need spinners on your car? Do you need the best of everything? If you can't, if you can't pay your tithes and you can't pay your bills, what good does it do to have all that stuff? You know? You, you have to consider changing your lifestyle. But once again, no one can tell you to change your lifestyle because you know your lifestyle better than anyone else. 
So it goes back to the whole thing with the mirror and you being honest. You can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool God any of the time. I tell people all the time, you can fool me. But guess what? I don't have a heaven or a hell to put you in. Doesn't matter how much you fool me. You can't fool God. And then lastly, number nine, and this is important. Don't give up. Write that in capital letters. Don't give up. You can make it. Don't quit. Never give up. Never, ever give up. And let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, don't know how long a while is, but after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not get discouraged and give up. Don't give up until you reach D-Day. Who knows what D-Day is? Debt-free day. Don't give up until you get to D-Day. When you owe nobody nothing, everything is said and done. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was just going to make, uh, make a comment. I think you've, you've been kind of touching on it throughout, but and uh, but one of the things that is so, I think, deceptive, and I don't think it's being done on purpose uh, to the body of Christ, is that you know we we listen to these people sometimes on TV, for an example, and they say you know you know and their whole thing is just sending the focus in the focus is just sending the money, sending the money, sending mm-hmm. the money, and like. Like my sister said over here, sometimes even to the extent that, you know, just use your credit card, sending the money, sending the money, sending the money. And, and so much so, and, so the, the, and, and they tell the people, if you do it, God will bless you, which, you know, we know that's truth, but there's a half truth to that as well. Mm-hmm. Because the other practical side of it is, is I think the blessing comes from knowledge. Mm-hmm. The Bible says with all your wisdom, with all your uh, 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 getting, get understanding. understanding. So. What really gets people free is not just some kind of pie in the sky kind of, it's just going to happen. Right. You know, God bless, but God bless his principles. <laughs> and so it's about, it's about his principles. And when we start operating outside of his principles, mm-hmm. we can't be blessed. That's right. Unless we get in line with his principles. With exactly. You are, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I, I agree with you. That's I don't know if anybody else want to comment yeah. to that. I just thought that. We got some coffee on the car. We ain't gonna tell our brother Larry. No, gonna find out. That's all right. <laughs> Where's brother Larry at today? Okay, good. See, because if he went on business trips, see, I, I'll give you a comeback for him. See, because then you can say, well, brother Larry, had you been here, you'd have told me not to set that cup of coffee on the floor. We wouldn't have been down this road. See. Good. Oh, bless the Lord. But that's okay. We won't tell. We'll let our sister tell. <laughs> and then, of course, four critical issues here. And you go back. I want you to go back through and look at these. How you decide which debt to pay off first. The size of the debt and the interest rate, of course. Understand your credit score. Do you guys look at your credit score once a year, twice a year? You look at it once or twice a year? Good. You'd be surprised how many people don't. You know when people look at their credit score? When they get turned down. And they get the free letter in the mail. Because, you know, the law says if you're denied credit by law, they, they have to give you a copy of your credit score. 
saw this once, I actually looked up the credit score and, uh, and I realized that I had stuff on there that wasn't fixed or taken off. Oh, yeah. And I, right after I got a copy. It takes forever to and get it off. I, if I wouldn't have called to follow up on it and said, look, why is it up here? That stuff would have stayed. And, and it was just investigating and just kind of looking at it. Like, yep. man, somebody, you know, you have to follow up with that. And credit scores are one of the most unfair things I ever come up with. Because your credit score doesn't always reflect it. But you can be a great right. person, and you can have a lot of debt, but you're making good money. You can afford it. Your credit score is based on your debt to income. Mm -hmm. So you can be a great person doing well and still have a low credit score and go to get some, and they'll tell you no. Because now when you go apply for loans, in most cases, a person does not look at your application first. It goes into the queue, they call it. Mm -hmm. And then in the queue, it's assigned a number, which is assigned from your credit score. Based on that number, it determines if it goes to a person or if automatic rejection letter is sent to you. Yeah. yeah, a person doesn't look at it first anymore. In the car business, when I, when I was doing that, we put it in, and when the score come out, it told us right away. Either this person is a primary person or a secondary person, or we can't help them. So it's... So understand your credit score. Number three, how to escape the auto death trap. You got a 70% of cars are, are financed. I told you, I don't, I don't buy a new car. I let somebody else drive for a little bit, then I'll buy it. And then on page 80, this is one here. I want you to circle. I want you to check it off. I want you to write a circle around. If you've done it, that's okay. if you've done it, just don't do it again. Co-signing. Circle it. Put a line under it. Right beside it. Never. Ever, ever, never. A person who co-signs become legally responsible for that debt of another person. Why would you do that? If they can't afford to pay for it on their own, how they gonna afford to pay for it just because you signed for it? That's what is so funny. But just co-sign because my credit's not good enough. Your credit's not good enough, you didn't pay your bills. Mm -hmm. Bill your credit up, then you don't have to have a co-signer. Mm -hmm. Don't ever co-sign for anybody. That's a sure way to get in trouble. Uh, one other question uh -huh. with that you want to ask. I was just going to make a comment. Uh, you um, indicated how we should teach our children. Uh -huh. and I think that's so important because when they go off to college, the credit card people oh, prey they, on them. I mean, they set up their kiosks right on college campuses. Yep. And I had solar friends who were filing bankruptcy before they were 21 because they got all these credit cards. Did that, yeah. And they thought they could just spend and spend. And, and then I had one guy who... I guess he thought I was that much in love with him. He asked me to co-sign. Mm. And by God's grace, I didn't do it. <laughs> I wasn't walking with the Lord, but I will have more common sense not to do that. And you'd be surprised how, how much comes at our young people oh, yeah. when they're out from under our roof. So I guess what you said is so important that we have to teach our kids mm -hmm. right or wrong before they leave our house as far as you know, co-signing, interest rates, what, what's a bad interest rate? Because a lot of people get into this mess because they were never taught. Because oh, exactly. their parents were never taught. So it goes on and on, and you gotta learn how to break the cycle, so. Yep, my people perish because of lack of, lack of knowledge. Yeah. Don't co-sign. What would you say, you know, just for the people that are you know, listening, what would you say about people that um, you know, uh, parents that have kids who mm -hmm. are trying to get their kids, you know, established, you know, because they don't, obviously, they may not have a credit card, mm -hmm. but they, you know, they may have gotten a job and, you know, you just want to kind of help them out to get them going, to get them out of the gate. 
what would you uh, offer by way of advice on that issue? I would say if it's your kid, you're trying to get them started, you, you may have to sign because the, economy, the way the economy has gotten, it's hard for people to get started with credit. But I would even say with your kids, you do it with the strictest of guidelines. Making it known that, okay, you have to make this payment. And if they choose to go spend their money on some clothes thinking mom and dad gonna bail me out, you don't bail, you don't let the people take the vehicle from them, you take it from them for that month. And you teach them a lesson that if you wouldn't have paid Bank of America, they would have come and got you. So I'm not gonna let you abuse mama and I. So guess what? We're gonna take the keys for a while. Because we have to help our kids get started. Mm -hmm. I tell people now, if it's an adult, you co-sign, you know you might as well say you're going to be paying that loan. But you have to give your kids, you give them a start and you teach them those principles right. so that they know for themselves. But you only have to take that car probably one time. But what happens, parents say, well, okay, I won't take it this time. You, you, you're setting your kids up to think it's okay not to pay their bills. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad always do it for you. Mm -mm. And sometimes I'm a little too hard on that right now, probably because my kids are young, so they'll get on me. But give them allowance, and if they run out of allowance, you're out of money. You got to teach them that. Because as adults, if we run out of money, we don't have nobody to call and say, give me some more. Exactly. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you have to look at it. Yeah, you help your kids get started, but it's with the strictness of rules. You didn't pay this month? Okay, you don't drive this month. We'll take you, or you catch the bus. That's how, because you want to teach them that it's not okay not to pay their bills. They got to pay their bills. It's not okay that you made the debt, you pay the debt. Mm -hmm. But you're hoping what you teach them, then when their friend comes in and asks them to co-sign them, they'll remember, mom and dad told me don't ever do that. Exactly. Because when you co-sign, first of all, you always need to use sound judgment. You never co-sign a note. But if you do, don't ever co-sign a note that you're not willing to pay. Because nine times out of ten, you're going to end up paying that note. So if you co-sign for a $200 month payment, you, need, you better make sure you got $200 extra in your budget. Because think about it like this. If I'm signing, I'm legally responsible. So even if you're a good friend of mine, if you don't pay, I can't do anything to you because guess what? Your name is nowhere on the paperwork where it matters. Your name is in the application section. They take it out there and they make the co-signer do a new application. So you can be my best friend, but I have no legal means except if we had an agreement word of mouth, maybe. But if your name is nowhere on it and my name is on everything, if you don't pay it, then if I get mad, I'm not going to pay it either. All I'm doing is destroying my own credit. So I tell people, stay away from it unless you're willing to pay it. Stay away unless you are willing to pay it. If you're not willing to pay it, don't do it. Do not do it. There's some great worksheets in this section where we talked about the debt repayment schedule. Uh, page 85 and 86, there are some great, there are some great worksheets we can uh, some great worksheets we can do there. So take take a take a minute to look at those and please please take time to uh, to, to do those if you will. Uh, we have one session left. It's session six. It's a short session, so we'll go ahead and go into that. Uh, this last session here talks about enjoy what God has given you. Enjoying what God has given you. 
take one, yeah, take a break. I'm gonna have to change the battery, and then we'll.